Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Talking Blues podcast. It's international break, uh, so no Chelsea recaps here uh, for you today. But we do have an exciting uh, interview that Josh and I uh, recorded with uh, Gary Hayes and Carrie Levy um, earlier today. And uh, it was a really, really good chat. Uh, so they are starting a podcast, or they have started a podcast already called The Blueprint, um, which they're going to be going over and telling the story, uh, basically, of, uh, you know, recent Chelsea history in the past, you know, two to three decades uh, with owner or former owner Ken Bates and how his, um, you know, story of selling the club to Roman Abramovich. Uh, and they have tons of interviews with a whole bunch of people. Uh, Frank Lampard, Jody Morris, Petr Cech, Gary Cahill, um, much, much more. But we're going to talk about that all in the interview, so stay tuned. And uh, before we get going there, uh, I'll just do a few plugs. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at the Talking Blues Pod, uh, myself at anorin23, and Josh at joshsolo29. Uh, we really hope you guys all enjoy it. And um, here is the interview. We are back now with two very special guests, the producers, Gary Hayes and Carrie Levy of The Blueprint, a podcast about Chelsea Football Club and how they shaped modern football. The two have interviewed some prominent people with deep histories in the club, which we will talk about later on. But first of all, we already talked kind of before we started the recording here, but uh, how are you guys doing, number one? And number two, definitely we'd love you to give our listeners a little bit more and get a little bit deeper into the blueprint itself. Well, hello, thank you for having us. My name is Kerry Levy. I'm one of the producers of the blueprint with my co-producer Gary Hayes, who's here, and he'll be chatting in a minute. Great to see you guys. Um, how is New Jersey? New it's, Jersey is great. It's best that it's ever been. <laughs> you know, it's, it's 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 sunny here. Um, it's something that you might not get there in the UK a lot, so we're taking it in right now. And um, <laughs> that's how I would describe it. Okay. Well, look, I of New Jersey, wonderful state. Yeah. Uh, yeah Jersey well, strong, let me, baby. Let me, <laughs> let me pass you over that magical voice is Gary Hayes, who was only in New Jersey this morning, weren't you, Gary? I was, and I've flown back, and now I miss it already. <laughs> He's flown back specially to do this podcast in New Jersey from New Jersey. Go figure. I I I spend I spend a lot of time in Jersey. I I love Jersey. I was just down the shore. Yeah, and and before the recording here, we found out that our local uh, British pie shop is not the real deal, and they're they're fakes. So that was good to find out as well. So overall, yeah. just a whole bunch of great experiences. It's a fugazi. <laughs> so I don't know which one of you guys wants to take the lead here, uh, but Gary. but please let a, let our listeners know. Oh, it seems like Gary's up on the list here. Uh, let us know a little bit more about the blueprint. I kind of gave like a one sentence description, but kind of what goes on in this interview based podcast. So, uh, it was well, a narrative, it's a narrative podcast series. What we've done is we've released the, uh, the Ken Bates tapes as we, as we called them. And, uh, that is a, a four hour, well, condensed four hour conversation with Ken Bates. The, the two episodes aren't actually four hours, but we sat down with him for over four hours and Ken Bates was the former owner of Chelsea. He owned the club from 1982 to 2003 when he sold the club to Roman Abramovich. So um, we're telling the story of Chelsea, the blueprint, how Chelsea FC changed football from 1992 to 2012. So we've got a 20-year narrative arc of 
the advent of the Premier League, how did Chelsea go from perennial also-rans to winning the Champions League? We're going to tell the story of how it happened. We released this um, two-part episode with Ken Bates as a teaser as to what's coming for the series. But when the full series does drop, it will be a full eight-episode narrative series bringing in all the different voices of the people that we've spoken to. Yeah, and that that's actually the the sort of condensed version of it, that the narrative that we tell it, and it'll probably remind you of more American-type podcasts because it's narrative as opposed to being just talking head and then we move on the next week we see someone else. It'll be a, a, an opera of football voices all relating to Chelsea. So I, I guess what's also interesting is putting... Because we've got a, a lot of fans all around the world. I don't mean us, I'm talking about Chelsea. Uh, and I always am curious to see how engaged foreign fans are with Chelsea history. Does it help make sense of the present day? I mean, how are you two guys on it? I mean, does it fascinate you to learn more about what's happened in the past with Chelsea from people who've actually experienced it? I mean, definitely, right? When we've grown, I mean, I became a Chelsea fan 2000, what is it, 11, uh, right before the Champions League. So, um, I mean, it, I think, you know, I think all, Alex, yeah. you know, um, I think you should I'll give a description, you, you know, from the States. I think it would be nice to kind of share, I, I think we've done it on the podcast before, but how you became a fan. Cause I like your story better than I like mine. Mine is just simple. I was on FIFA and I was like, oh, th this guy looks cool. This guy looks cool. I ended up playing with Eden Hazard and David Luiz. And I'm like, okay, I'm a Chelsea fan. I guess I'm playing career mode. But Alex, I like your story. It's more original. It's it's more family oriented. So tell, yeah. tell them the story about how you became a Chelsea fan. So I became a Chelsea fan when I was a bit younger. I have a family that lives in Turkey in Istanbul. Um, and one of them, I guess it was my birthday at the time. Um, you know, they knew that I was really into into playing football I was you know uh kind of at that time in the kinder kickers as we like to call them here in the states uh, when you're really young and playing and uh so they sent me they sent me a kit um and of course they went to whatever their local uh shop was and picked out something they didn't know what team I supported um or if I did support a team which I didn't really at the time and they sent me um over a Fernando Torres jersey um which was you know I guess really cool uh, at the time. Um, and, um, you know, I wore it around every day to school the next few days and people would start asking, oh, are you a Chelsea fan? And I'm like, I guess so. I guess I am. Uh, and that was pretty much uh, how it all started for me. It's always strange how we start supporting football clubs. It usually involves either your favorite color or you get to see a game or, you know, what have you. It's just little chance encounters. But um, still, anyway, we digress. I'm sure there's other things you want to ask us, but it's really good to know. And and do you, yeah, so the other part is, do you think a historical uh, podcast, which even though it's only 30 odd years ago, do you think that has relevance for fans today in America? Because we'd like to think that it builds a story even further. Well, I mean, especially now with, you know, another owner transition uh, right now, moving from Abramovich to Boley. I think just seeing how that transition happened into the past and how we got to this point, um, you know, it's it's pretty, I think, a valuable thing to know, uh, especially since, you know, people my age and Josh's age only have known Chelsea as this top, top club with, you know, infinite amounts of money 
um, who get, you know, attracted all the top players. And, you know, there was a story before that. So I, I certainly think it's interesting. It gives like, you know, some depth to the club that I think a lot of people just don't uh, really think about. Cool. Well, far away. I'm sure you've got the questions. I shouldn't be interviewing you. Two. <laughs> Go ahead, Josh. Oh, all right. This is what Kerry does. <laughs> it's, a, it's a valuable skill to have. I love it. I love it. I'd love to go back and forth. Um, so I, I guess hmm, this is like a two-part question that we have to start here. I don't know if you guys address this directly. I don't think so yet. So what kind of gave you the idea like, okay, we are going to cover this 20, 30-year window of how Chelsea got up to the level of winning the Champions League. Was it who 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 did who did it? Who was it? You, Gary, or yeah? So what happened was um, Kerry and I had got together because um, I, I've I've covered Chelsea more or less for twenty years now. I worked for the club, and then um, I subsequently left and worked for CNN covering Chelsea and others. And um, I was doing a TV show in London and. Um, there was a chap on there called Mike Lee. And when we came off air, he said, oh, you're really funny. He actually did, Kerry. Mike did say I was really funny. And uh, yeah, you paid him. <laughs> and he said, oh, you're really funny because you're really irreverent when it comes to football, which I think is fresh. You should get in touch with this guy called Kerry because I run a load of podcasts and Kerry does one of them, which is called The Chels. So then uh, the next day I got a phone call from this guy called Kerry. And this was um, 10 years ago. And uh, I haven't been able to get rid of him since. And we just carried, we kept chatting and stuff. And um, I found out that Kerry had made documentaries. And I watched a documentary that he made called Bananas, which is about the band Gorillaz. I'm sure you know who the Gorillaz are. And because Kerry's background is working in music. And I watched the documentary and it, it was really cool. And I was like, okay, he's doing the stuff that I want to do. Um, so I sat down with him and I said, I've had this idea I want to make a narrative podcast series about Chelsea and I want to do it about the rivalry with Barcelona. So we sat down in a cafe, you know, a coffee shop in uh, Old Street in London and um, we started talking about this idea and where we would go with it, what it would be. But then we pretty soon realised that the story was too big to focus on just Barcelona because then as we started pulling in other elements of the Chelsea story in this period, we were just like, well, Chelsea really have changed football here. And we were going over it and we just thought, let's make this bigger and bigger. And then we just sort of flushed it all out and then came up with this 20-year narrative arc that was obviously already there because it was all the stuff that Chelsea had achieved. But we realised that no one's really told this story. People have told tiny little bits of it, but no one's done it forensically. So we just set out on this path eight years ago and yeah, you know, we we do a little bit here and then stop and do a little bit there. And now we are, you know, in March twenty twenty three and we've spoken to over hundred and eighty people on and off the record. Um, ranging from the former owner Ken Bates to players such as Frank Lampard, um, behind people behind the scenes, fans, um, just anyone who's connected with the club and had some element of influence or observed it from close quarters really so um we feel we've got an incredible story um that we're able to tell and um, we've spoken to a lot of the key people to tell it so yeah to answer the question it just started with one idea about Chelsea Barcelona and it's become this 1992 to 2012 narrative 
So you mentioned how you've interviewed, you know, almost what would you say 180 people, uh, you know, on and off the record, obviously. How did that whole process go when trying to find who you wanted to talk to, what information you needed, um, and, and how did that whole process work out? Uh, and then I guess transitioning to how did you get some, you know, get to talk to some of these uh, bigger names, uh, obviously Ken Bates, the former owner, and then players like Frank Lampard uh, and Petr Cech as well. well Fra- Frank Lampard was actually the first interview we ever did for this. Was he? Yeah, so um, what happened was uh, I flew over to New York. So we'd been planning off and on for about a year, just sort of having chats about it. And I was really busy in the football season, um, you know, because the week-to-week covering Chelsea was just insane. And um, and then it was uh, May 2022, uh, sorry, 2020, May uh, 2016. <clears throat> and um, I flew over to New York to see my brothers because they lived there and I'd arranged to some time with Frank and I went over to Yankee Stadium and it was the Hudson River Derby the New Jersey Red Bulls against the NYCFC and uh, they lost 7-0 NYCFC and I just thought Frank is never going to talk to me I went into the locker room after and um, he was happy to sit down recognised me from Chelsea because we used to sit and have lunch in the canteen together and uh, we had a chat and then that was our first interview in the bag. So then what we did from there is I was looking at the original list of interviews that we wanted to do just the other day. And um, there were 300 names on it. Um, because We've only we got like, 120 to go now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we, we, we sort of made this big list of everyone that was important and desirable. And it was just so many. Um, and then we just started using the name Frank Lampard to go, we're doing this series and we've got Frank Lampard for it. And then just start connecting the dots. And um, we just worked really, really hard to get interviews and we built up trust with people. And um, we were able to do that with Kerry's background and, and mine where people knew that the story we're telling isn't tabloid. We're not looking for scandal. We're not looking for controversy. We just want honest perspectives and recollections of what Chelsea were doing. Obviously, the nature of the beast is that there will be a little bit of scandal in there, but um, we just wanted honest recollections of how Chelsea got to where they were, and we just spent time speaking to people, building relationships, and um, you know, I was pretty well connected. I am pretty well connected at Chelsea, so we're able to lean on that a little bit, and here we are. And, and that, actually, you, you hit on one of the main points of why I think this works, is because we've we both come from different backgrounds, but enjoy the same thing. So I've come from a documentary background. Yeah, okay, there's music as well. That's by the by, but it's documentary based, everything I've done. And Gary's a journalist and not a sensationalist. You know, he's he's more into the, the long read as opposed to what we call the red tops here or, or what you'll probably consider things like. I'm more New York Times than New York Post. Yeah, it, there you go. Most of the time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, it's true. So we had these, this sort of melding of two minds to use a Star Trek term, um, you know, and th- that's kind of worked because we want to do the same thing. And I had a certain skill set, which, uh, which Gary didn't have. And Gary had a certain skill set that I didn't have. And that's when collaboration works really well. When you get to, it, it, it can cause friction if you're both the same people from the same position that doesn't work but if you both understand that each of you is providing something different to the project 
then it becomes happy days. And and to be fair, it's been a labour of love and we've still got an awful lot of editing to, to do to get it out in time. But every single interview we've done, every single person we've spoken to, it's been fantastic because you're hearing things and learning things that you thought you know the story and then you get in behind and suddenly you're in effect standing in the dressing room with these people that are explaining what it feels like, what the emotions are, what it's like to go out on a pitch to try and win the Champions League final. And, and I just think that's what we've managed to do is get everyone inside the club in one way or another. Um. Alex, I love you. I hate you for putting this question, though, because when we do this type of stuff, it's like the worst question to ask. Looking uh, forward to it. Yeah, here we go. This It's so hard to pick favorites. The answer is I'm I'm the better one. <laughs> is that, who, yeah, is that the, the answer? answer? It's no. going along the lines of that, actually. Um, the, the answer is he's the most delusional one. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, is, is there... A favorite interview that you did, whether it was with Lampard or Petr Cech or uh, Bates himself or Gary Cahill, any of those names? For me, uh, are you going to go first? Don't Nick no, no. I, I was about to say that's a good question, but Kerry, you you go first because then I'll better it. <laughs> Bettering it with our own work. See, um, my favorite interview was Roberto Di Matteo, and okay. talking talking to him only because. Well, not only because he's he's notoriously difficult to get to talk about the past, as a lot of people are. You know, footballers and people in the football world, once they're done, they're moving on to other things. And I think some of them don't like to look back. Um, and so we knew that Roberto would be difficult. And Gary will probably tell you in a minute how he actually got it together. Because, again, Gary's connection with Chelsea and working with them and things gives him a certain uh, persona that other people don't have. And it's fantastic because he was never a, a tabloid journalist or anything like that. So he's always been accepted by a lot of these people. But Di Matteo, sitting down with him was just amazing because we thought we might get 15 or 20 minutes. And we sat down for, I think it was just about two hours with him. And it was incredible the things he told us that were just, I'd never heard before. And that's the thing. You're hearing this stuff. and Talking about the Champions League final and one favourite bit, which I, I, I like to mention because it really puts the chills up my spine. I'm, I'm saying, because I was in the, the stadium that night and, you you know, everything was incredible that night. Everything about that night was something else. Being in Bayern Munich Stadium with all their fans being really nice to us all day. Uh, being very polite, being very friendly. Um, and then they had their signs up, which said, you know, our, our town, our stadium, our cup in big signs. Around. And you thought, wow, yeah, this is going to be tough. And then, of course, everything transpires and turns into this penalty shootout. And it's the most, it's the most electrifying penalty shootout I've ever witnessed, mainly because the last time we were in one in the Champions League final, we had that moment, which I've still never been able to watch again, when John Terry misses the penalty. And I can't even talk about it without getting ooh, goosebumpy and horrible. But so this one, for, for, for that moment, you know, what's it like as a manager 
when you've done everything and, and you're standing there with your team and you're on the halfway line and there's nothing you can do. And, and what's it like? And he said, well, there's nothing you can do. It's all in the hands of God. Or should I say Petr Cech? And he thought, that's perfect. That is Because, you know, Petr Cech is more important than God, especially at that moment in time. So, you know, I, I totally get that. And you get that feel of like, there's nothing I can do. It's down to the situation now. So, yeah, for me, that was my, I, they're all fantastic because I love every single one of those people we've spoken to. But yeah, for me, that, that was something I really felt we got amazing insight. We got insight from everyone, but for me, it was incredible. Gary? For me, the Di Matteo interview is excellent. For me, it's, um, I would say, Ken Bates. Uh, just because of the circumstances around it, the fact that we're chatting to the former owner that really set the wheels in motion. Um, and it took us over two months to get it. Um, I I was on holiday at a holiday park when um, we'd been trying to get him and we'd gone through some people at the club and they'd put a good word in for me. Ken had phoned them and said, you know, can I trust this guy? And then I'd been on a holiday and, um, you know, on a vacay. And um, I I didn't have any service, any cell service. And I went back up to the top to return my bike. And I had all these messages. And I thought, who is this? I listened to the voicemails and it was Ken Bates. I was like, bloody hell. You know, I got a week's worth of voicemails. And they started off very polite. And then by the end of it, because he's a very brash and uh, forthright character, where it was bleep, 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 call me back. Um, so I did very sheepishly. And then um, after that, he called me every day for two months. And then after that, he just said, um, after those two months, he just said, I think maybe you should come to Monaco now. And I said, yes, please. And we got on the plane and we went over and we we sat with him. And it was just a surreal moment, really, being in Monaco with the former owner of Chelsea who sold the club to Roman Abramovich. And then he opened up with us in a way that he's never opened up with anyone. And, um, you know, it is his most open and honest and forthright interview he's, he's ever done on record. And the, the amazing thing about it is that Ken is notorious for not doing any interviews unless they're live. But we built up enough trust of him that he trusted that we weren't going to be those guys. And he did an interview of us on the record. But it wasn't live. It wasn't for a full interview in terms of the way we're putting it out. He knew we were doing it in a documentary style. So to get him to do that and him to take us from 92 on how Chelsea influenced soccer right up to selling the club and taking us inside the deal to sell Chelsea to Roman Abramovich was just incredible. And we we both, when he left, we were both gobsmacked and we just said, you know, we feel like we've just been, you know, sat in the, in the face of history. And it's history you can touch. And it's funny because Gary mentions Ken because th this is the kind of question we both argue over. Well, what do you think's your favourite? And it, it changes all the time, but Ken Bates is always in the top two, you know, whether it's Gary who decides he's number one or whether I do. I mean, it, it was incredible. And it was an incredible experience because, you know, the guy was 90 years of age when we went to meet him. And you would think that an awful lot of 90-year-olds just wouldn't be in the in the position really to to talk, let alone for what was four hours we sat down with him. And 
he was so engaging. He was very forthright. He's lost none of his um, edge, shall we say. Uh, and it, it was, it was incredible. And it just was, I mean, because it's like my first trip out of lockdown as well, you know. And it, it just, so it had all of this extra element to it as well. And, um, you know, and one of the most interesting moments was to realise that Gary, when he has a shower, sings Thunder Road from beginning to end very, very loudly. Not that I was in there. This was behind closed doors, I would say. But yeah. And for the uninitiated, that is um, the greatest song ever written. By? Jersey's number one son, Bruce Springsteen. Told you Sprung from cages on Highway 9. <laughs> Here we go. Get down the shore, oh. baby. <laughs> Sorry about that. I just couldn't resist. <laughs> oh, my God. So you mentioned um, with in regards to Bates interview, uh, what he what you guys you guys discussed a ton of different things, obviously, with him. But I kind of wanted to talk about the before the Abramovich sale. We'll talk in a second. We'll talk about the actual sale itself. But before the sale, you know, you guys talked to him kind of regarding what the Chelsea's financial situation was at the time. Um, Can you kind of give a little bit of insight into what he said uh, regarding that topic? Well, it's a point of contention because um, the the common understanding, you know, of of Chelsea in two thousand and three was that they were going bust. The club was going out of business, and they had to sell a lot of players very quick. But you speak to Ken, and he has a, a whole different theory on that, and he, his belief is that Chelsea, in a nutshell, weren't going out of business, and the club was safe. Um, and we put this to Trevor Birch, who was the managing director at the time, who was the um, the figure who was influential alongside Ken in, in selling Chelsea off um, because he the, the sale came about because he was trying to sell some shares and they realised they could buy Chelsea, so they bought Chelsea. But um, we put this to Trevor, who is now the chairman of the Football League, which is the three divisions outside of the Premier League. And um, he, so, so yeah, sort of like you got Major League Soccer and then you got USL, right? So he's, he's sort of the chairman of the USL equivalent. And um, we just said, yeah, we'll give you a right to reply. And he said, go with what Ken says. So like, you do realise that this is changing what is out there. You know, Ken's never spoken publicly about this. And he's querying and questioning what you're saying or what the common, you know, perception of Chelsea was in 2003 and he just said yeah run with it so and what we've done is we've done this whole series and the the Ken interview especially without any bias and we're just here trying to tell a story based on what we're told we don't want to manipulate the narrative um, and we've put that out there for people to make their own minds up I want to uh, I want to go to a quote from that interview and obviously you know, people listening, this is the reason why you guys are on. You can listen to the the full tapes right now on the podcast already. They're already out uh, on the blueprint. Uh, the quote I have here, this is Ken Bates on selling Chelsea to Roman Abramovich. Uh, quote, I didn't give Abramovich a tour or anything of the stadium. He didn't ask. He had been in Manchester and wanted to buy Manchester United. So when Chelsea came up in conversation, he bought the club, end quote. 
I mean, listening to this, I'm sure during all of your interviews, you're looking for kind of keywords or key points to help sell something that you can say, oh, this came out on the podcast, this came out. I mean, when he said t- when he said that about Manchester United, what were going through both of your heads? Did you know that at the time that that was the case? Yeah, that, that's that's known. That that yeah. is what happened was um he, there was this epic Champions League match between Manchester United and Real Madrid and he went and he had never really watched football before. And he went to that game and just fell in love with football in that moment. Realised Manchester United wasn't for sale, so he went on the lookout for another club. Um, what's incredible about all of this in a Chelsea context, and Kerry will add to this, um, I'll just say this one bit and I'll leave Kerry to take it from here. But Ken Bates sold Chelsea for £140 million. So back then, that would have been $280 million, give or take, um, with the exchange rate. Now, it'd probably be $141 million, given that the pound has nosedived, as I'm finding out on my many regular trips to the US. Um, And they did the deal in like three hours. Shook hands and that was it. But then Kerry, to take him into the rest of the deal, you know, in terms of um, the fact that, you know, the way Bates set it up with Roman and, and everything else. Well, I what, what I found fascinating was I've always got this theory that uh, the best business, you know when a deal is a good deal. And I'd, I mentioned saying this to Ken, and he's quite spiky at times. And I was saying, but surely... Don't you think sometimes the best deal is one that's done really quickly and and got to the point and doing things? And he said, look, I totally agree with you. And it was like he was having a shout at me, but he was actually agreeing. And he was saying, of course it is. You, you make sure that you know that deal is good and don't try and basically saying don't screw it up by going and asking for more. And I, I, found, I found that fascinating that there's always a... It's like when people say oh, I have no idea what I, if they're selling something. I have no idea what I want for this. And then somebody offers them something that's too low. And then they go, oh, I didn't think it would be that low. Everyone's got an idea. Everyone can all be swayed. There's a price for just about most things in here. Um, other than a change of Gary's taste in music. You're never going to have enough money to make him change that. But there you go. But the point is that he knew he was onto a good deal and it just moved so rapidly. They met at the Dorchester. They met at his, his favourite corner table and he noticed that there were security guards suddenly standing up as Abramovich walked towards them. They sat down. They didn't say too much. They agreed the price and then they agreed to meet the very next morning and just sign the contract and finalise. But it was done in, a, in moments, the agreement, and then the longest part was probably the drive Abramovich had to to go to Stamford Bridge and, and complete the paperwork. But it was incredible because you think, you hear about all these deals. You hear about a transfer of a player. It takes months and weeks and deadline day comes and they're still trying to get it done by 12 o'clock and some deals get done, some deals don't get done. You're talking about a whole club being sold in a matter of moments. So why the hell can't the rest of the business be done quickly in football? Maybe, maybe it's something to do with the agents. I don't know. That's just maybe spurious rumours. But, you know, it does show the biggest deals. Everyone knows. The person will know what he wants to spend. The person will know what he wants to sell for. And if there's a problem, you try and 
find some leverage between the two of you and you, and then you're done. The the best deals are done quickly. They always, always are. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you look how long it took even for the, you know, after the sanctions came in for Abramovich, right? How long it took for Boley and, you know, uh, Clear Lake to eventually, you know, acquire the club. It, I guess, you know, you've got all these people, these reporters on Twitter now are kind of following everything. You can follow it all online, right? Uh, when that sale happened, obviously that wasn't really the case. So uh, certainly interesting how the times have changed. Yeah, uh, oh, from the blue. Yeah. E even people connected to the club, and we don't, we don't want to give too much away because we want people to listen to the series properly when it drops in May so they can hear everything for the first time and because we want people to feel like we did when we were hearing these stories because we've spoken to so many people and I, I call people from Chelsea and say, have I missed something? Because we Person X has just told us this and they're like, I didn't even know that was the case as well. You know, so we find we're unearthing all this new information. But um, people that in 2003, one of the questions we say to them, where were you on that day? And a lot of them don't realize the significance of 1st of July, 2003. But some of them do. And they'll tell you, I was doing this exactly at this moment. And, um, and because they just didn't know what was going on either. And they were working for the club. And they just suddenly it all dropped on them and it just came out of nowhere. And overnight from building Chelsea up to where they'd got to again, Chelsea, and this is a story we're telling Chelsea took things to another level and they completely rewrote the football landscape. They just redrew it overnight. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of things have changed in the past 20 years, uh, 30 years, almost well, 20 years now, um, 2003, um, like you said, we can't spoil everything um, from the show. Um, parts are everything's coming out when in May, May of twenty twenty three. May. Yep, that's when that's when the rest of the series will will drop. Um, for now, we've got the Ken Bates tapes up, which is two parts available now on all available streaming. And, and what we would ask as well is, um, please go and listen to it because um, I think if you're a, a Chelsea fan, hardcore or not, um, there's a lot in there that helps you. And and this isn't this is us. This isn't us being ignorant to an American fan base. This is we're talking to British people and people around the world at the same time. Is that by listening to the Ken Bates tapes, there's a lot, a lot you're going to learn about the club, and it's, it's going to put a lot of the club into context in terms of where it is today and how it, how how it got there. But um, what we'd say as well is please follow the feed as you would this podcast or any other podcast you like because we are releasing in may but there might be a couple of little bits that we drip feed along the way um so we want to make sure people are there to be fully informed and they know as things are coming out so all you need to do is just search uh the blueprint how chelsea fc changed football and you'll find us you can follow us on social media um at blueprint underscore pod or you can follow myself. I'm Gary Hayes, G-A-R-R-Y-H-A-Y-E-S. Or you can follow Kerry. And what's yours, Kerry? I am at Kerry Levy on Twitter and at Kerry Levy 1, the number one on Insta. But yes, at Kerry Levy and at Gary Hayes, you'll get us. And we've, we're quite talkative and friendly as well. <laughs> because, yeah, there's gonna we're dropping the full series in, in May, but... 
there's going to be little updates between now and then um, just to dangle that carrot. So follow the feed and then you'll be sure not to miss out on anything because um, the Ken Bates tapes is just a start. And uh, this story is going to get bigger and better as we start releasing to the world what we've got because um, we've got incredible insight from some incredible people and characters. Kerry, Gary, thank you guys so much for coming on to the podcast today, getting a completely new perspective. I'm so glad we were able to do this and uh, help promote the podcast and you're able to give us your side to the story and uh, some of your personal moments that you shared. Uh, inside inside and outside the game of football. I'd like to leave it at that. Um, so thank you guys so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Oh, pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Josh. Thank you both. And just saying, uh, I can see, Josh, you've got a Giants um, poster in the background there. I do. Yes. I do. Yeah. We're both Giants <laughs> I, I, yeah. You're both Giants. I, I will be at MetLife on the 30th of August to see Springsteen. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I think my... to finish this podcast <laughs> and, and I'll be there again on the 1st of September and I'll be there again on the 3rd of September. So I shall be in them Meadowlands for the summer. I'm sure my uncle will be joining you at that concert, probably even sitting next to you and you will both be singing the hell out of Bruce Springsteen. So I'm excited. Streaming. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. <laughs>